Welcome to the X-Men Task Podcast, the Batman years. My name is Willie Simpson. My name is Sonia Rappaport. Sonia, we are up to the eighth episode overall of Batman the Animated Series, uh, an episode called Joker's Favor. This one is really good. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to that and a whole lot more, let me dispense with the plugs. You can follow me on Twitter at Willie Simpson. Join the X-Men Task Podcast, Facebook, and Reddit groups. To interact with us and the rest of the community. And last but not least, uh, please leave a nice five-star review on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Again, that is the best uh, and only way to support us. And we appreciate everyone who takes a little bit time another day to do just that. Mm-hmm. Sonia, um, before we talk about Moon Knight Episode 5, we've been slowly tracking the Moon Knight series in a very limited manner. Mm-hmm. I want to mention a few things. Uh, we watched Superman, the Christopher Reeves movie. Again. 1978. We watched it again. Uh, that was so enjoyable, start to finish, mm. when you say. Yeah. Um, it's just, the only reason I bring it up is because I think for sure, whenever we get done with Batman, and I know we have X-Men 97, we're going to do that Superman animated series too. I want to do the world of Superman. Okay. Very excited about it. Uh, so that uh, little, little fire inside me anyway, for the f- <laughs> way down in the future. <laughs> um. And something we didn't talk about last week uh, was the Thor trailer. Right. The new trailers that came out. Thor, well, Thor Love and Thunder. Mm-hmm. That movie's coming out in July. Uh, any takeaways for you from that trailer? <laughs> I've had that Guns N' Roses song in my head uh, for two weeks since we've seen yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason I'm bringing it up because he's just been singing it to our cat for the last week and a half. Um, yeah, uh, I mean... I just trust Taika Waititi. I think he's going to, he'll make an entertaining movie. I like, the one thing I like about it is the the brief appearance of Russell Crowe's back as he's playing Zeus. Mm. And I think that was just a funny scene with all these like rubbery thunderbolts flying around. Yeah. It was a strange aesthetic choice, but I liked it. Um, outside of that, I don't know what to really expect from the movie. Uh, I think it'll be fun. I think it's going to be like in the mold of Ragnarok. In some ways, you know? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a spiritual spiritual sequel to that movie, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I th- I'm actually slightly more excited for that than I am for Doctor Strange 2, which comes out next week. Right. Um, we did get, in one of the latest teaser trailers, they showed a brief image of the hand of Professor X resting on his yellow floating chair. Yeah, you got real excited for that golden chair, didn't you? I mean, I, I wouldn't say got real excited is the exact words. I've always wanted to see the chair in the movies forever. I know. Um, I hope, like, I think like this is, if I had to guess, this is the, in this movie, this ver- variant version of Professor X played by Patrick Stewart, this is the only time we're getting this chair. Mm. I think in all future X-Men movies, they're not going to do that chair. I think this this is like a gag chair, hmm. almost. I could be wrong, but... Um, so, I, again, my hype for Doctor Strange is, like, lessening as we go. I just feel like I'm afraid it's just going to be a big gimmick movie. Mm. Lots of cameos of random characters that are supposed to knock us back in our seats. And, like, hopefully, like, there's a story there. Like, I just, I'm worried about the payoff of the story. Mm-hmm. But we shall see. We're, we're, soon, yeah. We'll, we'll see, see it soon. next week like everyone else. We'll talk about it. Um, that'll be interesting. Um, oh, and, uh, you know, Moon Knight, episode five. Oh, yeah, Moon Knight, episode five. So we kind of enjoyed episode four. We thought that was a, a step in the right direction again. Mm-hmm. I thought this was the best episode of the series. Yeah, I thought so, too. Or at least as good as the first episode, which I thought was quite good. Mm-hmm. This latest one. yeah. It really came back for me. I really liked it. Yeah. Um, it really filled in the details on the emotional backstory of this main character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the Marvel mythological elements where the the hippo deity was explaining how afterlifes work in the Marvel universe, where there's <laughs> multiple afterlifes. Like, m- many religions are real. Right. They flat out said that, essentially. Uh, which, again, that kind of like dovetails weirdly into the Thor movie because it features Christian Bale's going to be the villain called Gore the God Butcher. Mm. And you know that Russell Crowe is probably going to get killed as Zeus. And as he'll be one of the victims of this Gore the God Butcher character just to wipe out all the gods of the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe some cool philosophical themes that Moon Knight is kind of like 
slightly predicting we'll get a little bit in Doctor Strange, a lot more maybe in Thor. Mm-hmm. But I like those elements. Yeah, I, I liked the payoff of them using the mythology more and explaining it better to us this time around. Also, just the character development, you know, like, I wonder if it was fun for Oscar Isaac to play two versions of the same character here. Like, pretty seamless. How, like, yeah, like Mark and Steven split off into two different bodies in this, like, afterlife or whatever yeah. realm they're in. Limbo of some kind. Um, and I, I liked the storytelling that they did here. This is, like, solid character development where they go back and show you, like, who remembers what from their past. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that much from this, so maybe it's low expectations, but I, I thought it was really good. It's every actor's dream to play two parts in the same movie. It's, it's like a, I think it's, like, a long-running joke in Hollywood that... Like it's like the actors considered the greatest challenge, but it's really just like a way for them to like suck up more screen time and like they, indulge they get to show their range, right. like how different my two yes. characters are. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Oscar, I, I mean, this is the ultimate like version of that in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think he's really good, and it's convincing to see him act against himself, mm-hmm. and, in, and especially in such an emotionally heated story where it's all about the trauma and his childhood. And how he invented the Steven character to deal with the trauma. Mm-hmm. And he had a fucked up relationship with his mother. And yeah. It's just interesting stuff going on. And uh, and again, like very little to no Moon Knight, with the exception of like getting a brief sort of like uh, image of how he got the powers in the first place right. from Kanchu. Um, and I thought the episode ended in a really cool place too. Uh, the thing that I, th- I forget if you said it or I said it when we were watching, it's. It's kind of like Legion, but a lot more like uh, sped up in the sense that it's like better explained, you know, because Legion, like they don't explain anything. (laughs) They had a lot of time to tell the story. Yeah. Uh, This is like they're taking elements from Legion and just giving it to you in like two episodes. Mm. And I appreciate I mean, we like Legion. We said it a lot. Like Legion was the reason we started this podcast in the first place. We said, hey, a new X-Men show. Wouldn't it be great if there was like an actual X-Men show? <laughs> like, hey, that one X-Men show was really great way back when, the X-Men the Animated Series. Let's talk about that. Yeah. And so... That was our roundabout way of getting here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe, you know, talking about the future, we'll do Superman. Maybe in the deep future, to end the podcast one day, we'll do all the episodes of Legion. Uh-huh. Close it out. Okay. The, the, the final end to the circle. Uh-huh. Um, who knows? But uh, yeah, I mean, it was good. Again, it's like, it's a, it's a mini movie. Mm-hmm. It's not a TV show, in my opinion. You keep saying that, but I don't really know even what that means. Yeah. It's six hours. It's two movies or three movies or six episodes of television. It doesn't matter to me at this point. Yeah. <laughs> it's all content. Yeah, that's true. You know, it your, is. Yeah, you're right. It is. Omnipresent com- content. Yeah. So. I mean, again, it's, it, I'll just repeat it. Why not? For the last time. Like, I just... My fantasy of Disney Plus doing Marvel shows, live action Marvel shows, I wanted traditional television shows about characters. Um, and this is just a more cinematic, they're like, they're a, you know, limited series or whatever, or they're, they're movies chopped up into episodes. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. I mean, it's, again, it's like, it's pretty entertaining for the most part. They definitely have their highs and lows, but I still am holding on to that fantasy of just, it, the fantasy is like you're 12 years old. For me, the year is 1996. And wouldn't it have been awesome if a, Mar- a live-action Marvel TV show was on in prime time? But when you say you want it to be more like a TV show, you mean that you want it to be live-action, but you want it to be like half-hour episodes, nice and quick. Or maybe 45-minute episodes. And some of them are just one-offs to like delve into the backstory of a character or just tell a quick little story that happens to somebody and then sometimes maybe you have like two or three episode arcs that sh- tell a bigger story and then you go back to your one-offs again. hundred uh-huh. percent. I mean, that's what Batman is. Yeah. It's that. And then as a kid, I was thinking like, well, wouldn't this be great if this was real? You know, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes back around again. It's just yeah. not like in vogue right now. It's not. But I, I, it, it could come back later, you know, like in 10 years or something like that. Maybe it'll be in style again because all these people get tired of the long form. The Netflix style. Yeah. Right. Or it, HBO style, right. I guess, but yeah, right, yeah, I guess they pioneered it first. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I don't know. It's like it's a weird stylistic thing for sure. 
uh, it's um, it's a volume. It's a question of volume too, because network television seasons there's like twenty four to twenty six episodes. Right, it's a lot of content. But they were like bound to air times. Yeah, you know, so they couldn't just like wait till a series was series was done and then like put it all out at once or dole it out. Or, yeah. You know, like it was a week to week. They had production schedules. Yeah, right. And there's limited budgets and. Yeah. I mean, you know, the ultimate example of the greatest version of this in the world of pop culture science fiction is Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm-hmm. It's it's what I'm asking for yeah. for Marvel, but that style of TV doesn't really exist anymore, like you said. It exists in some capacity, like the procedurals are still out there on network TV, the, the law and order type shows, mm-hmm. whatever. I mean, they even make, well, this is not Shows new, about but firemen. They, they still make sitcoms and stuff, you know what I mean? Yeah. There's like... I don't know, like Modern Family or like The New Girl or stuff well, like those that. Shows those, evolved, kind of, those shows evolved to get more cinematic, the the, uh, the documentary verite style. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like the storytelling, it's not like you have to tune in for every single episode in succession to... Right. I didn't mean to say succession, like <laughs> the name of the TV show, but you know, you don't, it, you don't, it's not as serialized as having to follow along the whole way to understand what's going on. I think that... In my fantasy world, which is now we're firmly in, it's there's a, a balance. Mm. There's you're doing the old network TV style, but like with hyped up modern storytelling elements and, and connectivity. Mm-hmm. And I know there's probably a contradiction, or it's like not practical for every reason, or it's just not like you said, not in vogue. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, it's like I want, I would love like 20 episodes of. I'm gonna pick the biggest character I can think of, Spider Man, mm-hmm. the TV show. Where it, instead of it being like a crap, I hate to be derisive about CW shows, but like, you know, like a lesser character on a CW show mm-hmm. where you get, you know, and the Flash is a big character. They did him pretty well. But like but Spider-Man in that format, mm-hmm. but with, a, a, I'd say like 50% more effort than a CW <laughs> show. And like, again, this is all impossible. This can't be. And they also don't want to, they also don't want to take their biggest characters and lend them to that. Yeah, because they want to still make money movies, at the box office. Right, it's more profitable with the movies. I don't think we've seen any shows that are like this. But what do you think about the new format that's out on like Netflix, Netflix, ooh, and some other streaming platforms where it's like a choose your own adventure, yeah. sort of thing, where it's like an interactive. It's almost like playing a video game, except it's all cutscenes or something. Yeah. Would I mean, you ever be willing to give one of those a try? No, to me that's like I'd be interested in that in the realm of video games. If there's like an incredible. The Wolverine video game is coming in the next couple of years. Mm. It's made by the people who made the Spider-Man game, which was perfect for a video game about Spider-Man, I would say. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about that. And I don't think that's going to necessarily be a choose-your-own-adventure, but it's going to be interactive in a way that's, I feel, hopefully satisfying. And Okay, yeah. For, so for video games, fine, but for TV, yeah, not that so seems much. gimmicky to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Moon Knight... Uh, I, I'm excited for the conclusion. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Reluctantly, I don't know. Uh, but it, it, I have a feeling like, again, like, uh, if only because Marvel's conclusions have been bad. I mean, the, their their series finales have not been good. I'm, you know, though, it's like, I'm sure they know it. And I'm sure they take that feedback. And now, like, maybe maybe, maybe it's far along enough that they've heard that feedback right. for other shows. Depends and on the production. Like, like, when did yeah. they make Moon Knight? Like, right. the same I don't know. time they made WandaVision weirdly? I don't know. But right. I would hope that, like, at some point that catches up to them and they're like, oh, yeah, we got to do better at this, you know, and they actually take it as feedback or something. I, I'd hope so, too. But it's also part of their style of, like, it's likely this will end on a cliffhanger. Right. Moon Knight will return in season two or Moon Knight will return in the movies. Yeah. Uh, they don't, it's, I, it's not going to, I don't think it's just going to be a, the telling of a complete story where the sun sets on Moon Knight and it's totally ambiguous. Like, it could just be, this is all we get from Oscar Isaac in this character. Mm-hmm. I kind of doubt that. I think they're going to obviously try to leave the door open. We shall see. Um, but let us move on to Batman, Sonia. Let us. Uh, this one, Joker's Favor. Uh, starting right away with the... Uh, the opening title card. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not great. Yeah, I think fine. we've had a few. In a, well, the last one was pretty good with the train. That was pretty sk- spooky. This one is just straight ahead. Uh-huh. It shows the silhouette of the Joker uh, with a tacked image of this main character. We're going to meet Charlie and his family. I mean, that's that's pretty spooky in a way, but it's not the most memorable drawing. It's not like you art. would want a poster of yes, it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, because it's like too specific 
for to like not a main character? Um, my memories. So going into this one, mm-hmm. the other thing I don't know, you know, it's like uh, maybe you could rightfully criticize us because we're not reviewing it in production order. We're reviewing it in release order. Mm. So I don't know if this is the, the like actual first episode of the Joker. I would tend to think not, but who knows? Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, it is for our purposes the introduction of the Joker here. My memories of this episode in particular were not strong. Mm. As we were sitting down to watch, I'm like, "Oh, this one. This is like whatever. This is not my favorite Joker." I am. I was so wrong. This was great. Mm-hmm. I loved every second of this episode. This wasn't one that I like remembered what was going to happen before it happened. But then like once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, I remember that like visual or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is written by Paul Dini. He's one of like the, the three like major titans of the show as far like he's like the, the head guy, the writing staff, mm-hmm. a legend now in our times. Um, and it's just like, it's just an incredibly like tonally it's perfect. And especially if this is considered the first episode of The Joker, I was thinking about how perfect The Joker is yeah. in this episode for a lot of like meta ways, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get into. But Sonia, how does this one begin? We open up on a traffic jam on the highway, and it's the main car that we're focusing on is this disgruntled man named Charlie. Charlie Collins, he's had a bad day. His boss turned down his raise. His wife's making meatloaf for dinner. He's stuck in traffic. Things are not going his way. Right. Uh, it reminded me of the movie Falling Down, which I know you haven't seen. No. Michael Douglas movie from the 90s. 90s um, I think that movie came out after this episode, if I had to mm. guess. I mean, it's about a guy who's like stuck in traffic. He's like a regular kind of just nothing guy. Uh and he snaps and goes crazy and like kills everybody. Mm. <laughs> like gets a machine gun and starts like terrorizing Los Angeles. Uh, maybe I'm per- upon further reflection, maybe this is like it's it's not exactly like falling down, but there are elements there that just reminded me of that. Hmm. I just thought I'd mention that. Interesting. Um, whenever I see like a, like a businessman sweating through traffic and just yelling at the world, I just think of that movie. Yeah, the only point about that. It's very cinematic. The traffic scene, like the movement of the cars on the highway, and yeah. like the color palette is very pleasing. And then uh, some sirens are in the distance, and Charlie pulls over to let the cop cars by. And then he gets back into the lane, and the Batmobile whooshes past him, and he feels a little disrespected. But he's like, "All right, he's still driving." <laughs> and then another car just completely cuts him off, like comes up from behind him and like cuts him, cuts in front of him, no signal or anything. And he is pissed. So he says, you know what? Not today. And he catches up to the car and he rolls down his window and he starts cursing him out. Well, not literally cursing, but yelling at him. And then he <laughs> turns to look at who it actually is in the driver's seat. And lo and behold, it's the Joker. Okay. There's a lot to break down here. Yeah. Uh, First of all, did your dad ever get road rage? Oh, constantly. Really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mine too. <laughs> all the time. My dad, like, thankfully, I never saw my dad, like, fight anybody, but he would curse the shit out of people. Oh, my God. My dad would curse the shit out of people, but he would, like, get out of the car at a red light and, like, walk menacingly over to, oh like, another God, car really? and, That's... like, slam on the hood of their car that or something crazy. like that. It was insane. <laughs> That is not, my dad never did that. He he kept us cursing to limited to us in the car. The windows rolled up. I don't <laughs> think it's a lot safer. Never, That's probably better. I mean, I, I feel like there might have been a few times where he would drive past a guy and say, "Hey, you fucking maniac!" You know, and <laughs> drive forward. <laughs> but like, it's amazing that road rage is a real phenomenon. That Seriously, is. yeah. So there's some elements of. <laughs> it's just it's crazy. I mean, like I. I'm not a car owner currently, but I have owned a car before. I've certainly driven a lot and I have never felt that in my life. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you just got to be doing the, the commute every day for like decades. I think that's when it probably yeah. sets in with you. You're just like, you're in the, being in the car in that commute. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners can relate to this. It's just like, it's just part of your life, mm. you know, to the point, you know, it's just like this part of your day in your life that where, you know, yeah, you're going to go off the handle. I don't know. I guess I, it it feels a little unrelatable to me personally, but it does well, feel we're relatable. We're New Yorkers without cars, right? Exactly, but it does feel relatable, like like you said, childhood yeah. memories and stuff like that. So, like obviously, you know it exists, but here it is. Yeah, I mean, life uh, for sure. Um, I love the the 
the way the Batman show does this sometimes where the story is not focused on Batman entirely. Yeah. Here it's it's like weird. Like Batman's a passive character in the scene. You see the Batmobile rush by this character who we're being we're meeting as our protagonist. Right. And it's just like it's so surreal that like Batman's real in this world, you know. Right. He's like an afterthought even. It's just like part of the fabric yeah. of the, the universe that you've been brought into and you're like, oh okay, Batman's there. I didn't quite understand the the sequential logic of the car chase, like the Joker was following Batman behind and... It, sorry, I skipped a, a minor uh, but important detail, I guess, is that uh, as Charlie was driving, he was listening to a news report of like some crime that was going on at, at the time, like, an you know, an in-progress crime. So it was implied, I think, that like the police cars were we're going to like yeah. get this criminal out there, what, whatever was going on. And Batman was rushing after the cop cars to like help. But the Joker was kind and of. And the Joker was just like, yeah, just skulking around. Right. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, yeah. So Charlie curses off the Joker inadvertently. He immediately knows he fucked up. He starts sweating profusely. Which happens a lot, which is a great touch of like emotional realism. Yeah, it's amazing. Like if the Joker was a real person, and in this case, he's a celebrity criminal in this world, in this right. universe. And you could, it's like the, it's like, if like, uh, it's like some crazy serial killer in real life is on the loose, like um, Ted Bundy or something. And you just happened to cross into him and you recognized him and you would just be terrified that you pissed him off. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, I mean, it's, and it's funny. I mean, with the Joker, it's funny because Charlie Mealy knows he made a mistake. He tries to drive away as fast as he can. He like rolls up his window. He's like, sorry, sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Joker's just like happily behind him. He's waving like at him. Following, yeah. He's and like, come on, pull over. In the windshield, he's just like waving. It's that's so creepy. I mean, it speaks to like the like jo- Joker's uh, modus operandi, operandi of just like he's not going to let anyone insult him at yeah. all. It's like an opportunity for him to cause chaos and violence, mm-hmm. but it, and to control a situation, right? He but he's like he'll be told whatever he was doing. He cannot let a slight go by him. Right, his headiness and his insane narcissism, which is like kind of funny because it does beg the question: like, what was he doing? He's like in yeah. this like orange car. He's got a bunch of boxes or something t- like strapped to the roof. <laughs> it's like he was clearly up to something. And he's <laughs> just like, like a pure agent of mischief and <laughs> <laughs> insanity. Um, and and so it's great. So like Charlie sort of. Gets off the highway, he's on some back road, he, and he's, like, afraid he crashes his car out of fear, and then he's all of a sudden he's running into the dark woods. And it reminded me of Jurassic Park. It is, like, wild woods, yeah. Yeah, like, that scene in Jurassic Park where the guy plays Newman, uh, what's that guy's name? The actor's yeah. name is escaping me. Um, he, you know, he stole the, the dinosaur DNA, and... Uh, it's a rainstorm in Jurassic Park Island. He crashes his car, he runs to the woods, and the, that dinosaur sprays him with that black goo, and then he dies. Mm. And that scene scared the hell out of me as a kid. Like, I in the movie theater, I was just, like, for some reason, I couldn't handle Newman getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Newman. Yeah. Uh, so, and here we get, like, the broader introduction of the Joker into the Batman universe here, and it's I think it's perfect. Charlie is sitting at the base of the, a tree trunk, trying to catch his breath and like trying to understand where the Joker is in relation to him. And he's like still sweating and breathing heavily. And then you see uh, like lights, like beams of light coming up from the hill behind him. And then the Joker just like jumps into view and <laughs> like, ah, Charlie. Like, <laughs> um, oh no, he doesn't know his name yet. He throws right. two pennies at his feet. Yeah. Here's your two cents. Because the guy says, I'll, I want to give you, like, two cents of my mind or something. Right. And Joker's funny right away. He says, we can't have people cursing each other on the freeway. It's simply not polite. <laughs> my bad Mark Hamill impression. Yeah, I can't even. I'm simply it. going to have to teach you some manners. You know, is this like a. Jolly to menacing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that's the other thing about the Joker is that his moods really turn on a dime. And that's one of the things that's so crazy about him because he's so unpredictable. It's, that's like. Yeah. A big fear factor. Pure psychopath. Is this a clue to Joker's origins that he says freeway? Why do you say that? Because on the West Coast, they say freeway, and on the East Coast, they say highway. Oh, well, you got to add that to your own. I'm sure it's just because I'm sure Paul Dini is in California. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, I I would say, you know, I I mentioned in previous podcasts, I had read like the first 40 issues of Batman starting in 1939. 
And the best issues are the Joker ones, for sure. Like, mm. So many issues suck, like flat-out bad comics for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Joker ones are great. And this version of the Joker, especially in this first episode, looks a lot like the original Joker from the comics of the 40s or the early late 30s. Mm-hmm. The, the dark shadows under his eyes, he's tall. He's sort of physically intimidating, too. Hmm. Like, that was an aspect in those early Batman comics. The Joker was a strong fighter for Batman. And, like, they they mentioned in the comics that the Joker had, like, sort of unnatural strength in a lot of ways. They do that in the movies. They don't always make the Joker, like, a big, like, physically imposing person. But he is always freakishly strong. He could sort of fight with Batman. Yeah. Weirdly. Uh, and you would think it's impossible because Batman is just a ninja karate brute master. Right. And the Joker's what? And like a huge. clown. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's like the Joker, he's like he's like a very scary gangster in this universe. Like mm-hmm. that's part of the thing too. So he's tough. And uh, you definitely get that sense here. And poor Charlie is sweating under his collar. Yeah. And, you know, he promises Joker, I'll do anything to live. I mean, that's the other thing too. It's like, you're introduced to the Joker here, and it's not like some silly episode. It's like the, you're meeting a person and how a person in Gotham thinks of the Joker and without like implicitly saying anything, or I mean ex- explicitly saying anything. They implicitly they imply <laughs> <laughs> they imply that the jerk the Joker will murder you that he's murderous. Yeah, and like that's the central premise of this episode, and the, and it's great and it's scary and fun. Right. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's definitely very scary, and um, you get a lot from like the way they interact with each other. They don't have to spell it out for you. I mean, this guy is trapped in the woods, in the dark woods, with a homicidal maniac dressed as a scary clown. That's pretty terrifying. So the Joker takes Col- uh, Charlie's driver's license. He says, like, oh, give me your wallet. And Charlie's like, oh, I don't have much cash on me. I like this detail. The Joker says, don't insult me. Like, he's not in it for the money, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> he takes out the driver's license and he, like, goes over the details. And he says, all right, uh, you have to promise to do me a favor and I won't kill you. Yeah. And he's like, what favor? The Joker's like, I haven't thought of it yet. <laughs> you just twaddle off to your mundane, meaningless little life and I'll just call. Amazing. And so Joker in this show especially is like he's a huge narcissist, as I mentioned previously. Like, it's all about how he thinks people are meaningless and little and nothing. And he's like this great, big, larger than life, important person. Yeah. That is like, don't waste his time. And he just wants to control and terrify everyone. That's yeah. his... It's goal. He's an enormous, scary bully. And uh, I was thinking, like, I mean, this is like a real mafia move in a way. Like, I feel like I've seen this in mafia movies where they'll get your information so you don't testify against them in court or they can threaten your family. Yeah. I mean, really, it feels like, again, we mentioned The Sopranos last week. It feels almost like this might have happened on The Sopranos a few times, too, with some of the characters where they would intimidate people, like random civilians they'd meet. Mm. And it's very, like, very scary and effective. Yeah. To just even just plant the thought in someone's head that, like, you know, we know about you. and Right. We're going to stay in contact. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the Joker is just a great villain. Two and years it, later. Yeah. I mean, whoa. So, a title card, two years later, which took me by surprise. I did not remember this detail, uh-huh. which makes it all the more cinematic this episode and all the more you're just like deep into the world of Batman. Like Batman is like exists in this universal, like never ending continuum, you know? Yeah. Where it's not like, it's not about, it's not like you missed anything as the viewer in these two years. It's just kind of. Well, because Charlie's your protagonist, you know? So, um, commissioner Gordon is getting a testimonial in his honor and, uh, he doesn't, he's like kind of bashful about it. He doesn't really want to go to the ceremony and stuff. But then Batman is like hiding in the shadows of his office and <laughs> he's encouraging him. Yeah. He's like, uh, You deserve it, Jim. And he's like, Oh, Gordon's like, um, I was like, Actually, you're the one who does all the work. Yeah. And Batman's like, I'm just the night shift. You do this 24 hours a day, which is kind of true. Like, I was like, He, Bruce, I mean, Batman really spends a lot of time as Bruce Wayne, not. Like, I feel like the modern movies with Robert Pattinson and even the Christian Bale ones, they make it seem like he is obsessed and all consumed by Batman. And he is, do, even when he is Bruce Wayne, he's like essentially doing Batman stuff 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Not in this universe. Right. In this universe, he's like definitely a lot more Clark Kent. Like, he takes a break 
from being Batman. It's just some weird thing he does at night. Which <laughs> I, hobby. I like it. I mean, that's kind of like the Michael Keaton Batman too. Yeah, it's I like, like that better too. He puts it, takes his suit off at night and he then he does Batman activity. Again, it makes it like a less um, tortured character, you know, because you right. can see that he has a more well-balanced life and mind if he spends some time as Bruce Wayne, his actual identity, you know? Uh, and, right. And I think it's, the show is pretty consistent in presenting that. I was trying to think of a counterexample, like maybe there's an episode where as Bruce, he says like, I'm Batman all the time and like the mission never ends. But I don't In think this so. series, I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, I think most of the time when he's Bruce, he's pretty chill and like, if something comes up that he notices as Bruce, he just sort of clocks it. And he's like, all right, well, later yeah, I'll do it. And he just it. like smirks a little bit and like goes about his millionaire business. Right. He doesn't, he has like a nice divide between his day job and his night job. Mm. Um, and that, this little line from Batman, I'm just the night shift speaks to that. Yeah. Cut to Joker and Harley Quinn. So the first thing I thought was like, wow, the Joker stayed out of jail this whole time for two years. That's incredible. And then you said, like, no, he's probably just back out of jail again. Yeah, I think <laughs> I he. Like, oh, I yeah. think it's implied that he just escaped. That that makes more he sense. He says something like, "Oh, I've arranged for my early parole." Oh, okay, I must right. have missed that line. Yeah, and um, and this is the introduction to Harley. Yeah, um, what an insane character to create. Yeah, Paul Dini. I I don't know if he like created her, like all by himself, but probably had help from Bruce Tim or whatever. But uh, still, like a show created for the animated series that became so popular. That now there's been several Harley Quinn featured movies. I mean, she's a great character. Like, she has so much agency. There's a Harley Quinn TV show on HBO Max. She, I also, I like in this episode that here she appears as Harley Quinn. And she has sort of like the same face makeup or whatever. So she looks like the Joker. So like as the viewer, you don't really know all what happened to the Joker yet. But you're like, okay, these two, there's like something weird going on with them. Yeah. And then later in the episode, she appears just as herself as like a blonde woman with like, like a beautiful blonde woman, realistic looking features and yeah. coloration and everything, you know, and it's so that makes her even more like interesting, insane because you're like, wait, she does that on purpose? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember uh, liking Harley a lot as a kid? Was she one of your favorites or like, I don't know. Yeah. In, in the beginning of the series. Yes. I think like later on, there's some episodes about her and the Joker where it's, I don't know. It got like it's too much. Yeah. A little bit. I, I think we'll have to track our relationship to Harley. I, I, I'm trying to remember as a kid, how I felt about her. Uh, I kind of, I don't know. I, I do remember, I think there was a time after the show was kind of had its heyday mm-hmm. where it was like, Harley Quinn is an overhyped character. It's like too much of her. She's, I don't get like why, yeah. like she's so beloved. I but, mean, that's what we were saying about the Joker too, you know? Yeah, for sure. Like the joke, all right, the Joker suffers from that too. It's just yeah. like too much. But really like you can't deny she is like an all time great DC character and villain. Mm-hmm. And that now like, you know, separate from hype and like her being so popular, it's like, it's truly a great character mm-hmm. uh, and a great invention for the Joker too. Yeah. Uh, like a real fun character to play off the Joker. I mean, she reveals a dimension of the Joker's emotionality that you wouldn't think about otherwise. Mm. Um, kind of, he weirdly, I mean, she weirdly humanizes him in a strange way. Yeah. He, they're in a relationship. So <laughs> right. like, it makes you think about that. Some kind of relationship. It's yeah. demented, right? Cause she's insane. <laughs> like, well, how could anyone love this guy? And, and he treats her badly throughout right. the show too. Very, yeah. he betrays her all the time. I think he's violent toward her. Yeah, totally. A bunch in the, in the animated show. I know it's like in the more like movies and animated movies, they get more explicit into that. But mm-hmm. like, in this basic version of the show, like he's violent towards her. Mm. So Harley Quinn is introduced. It's pretty, uh, pretty cool here. I think it's like great per- first episode for her too. Yeah. Um, so anyway, Joker, <laughs> having escaped from prison, he he wants to also honor Commissioner Gordon. In quotes, honor. Right, and <laughs> I mean, I love this element too. Like, this is the basic plot of the episode that, like, this just seems like something that the Joker would do is like plot to kill Commissioner Gordon. You know, I think that's like a, just a good, like, basic plot for the Joker to, like, you know, to follow. Yeah. There's just something kind of meat and potatoes about it that's right. satisfying. Right. Um, and Harley Quinn says to him, like, oh, are you going to call in a specialist to help? And he's like, no, no, I'm just going to call an old friend. And you see that he still has Charlie Collins's old driver's license from two years ago. Right. Uh, meanwhile, um, 
we see Charlie. He's on some suburban street having a good time with his family. Uh, and he gets a phone call. It's the Joker. He's like, Charlie? He's like, no, 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 this is Don. Uh, and then Joker's like, oh, don't insult me, Charlie. I know you've changed your name to Don Wallace and moved to Springdale, Ohio. <laughs> Can't imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, again, this is, like, great. T- like, as a kid, like, you're watching this, you're like, Charlie, you were smart. Like, yeah. It's like, you were smart to, like. You did the right thing, Charlie. Great job. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, like, extra scary that the Joker can still mm-hmm. track him so easily. Yeah, absolutely. And so he's like, all right, I need you to, you know, come through in that uh, favor of mine, fly into Gotham right away. And he's like, and if you try anything funny, like, you know, I'd hate to see what happens to your family. And then you see Joker's, he's got these two other goons in this episode. Mm-hmm. I think their names are Roscoe and Henshaw. Second guy's name I had a little trouble writing down, but like, they <laughs> drive menacingly by Charlie's house, like looking at his kids. Again, very mafioso-esque. Very. So Charlie has no choice. He has to fly back to Gotham. And again, we're just in the world of Batman, and like Charlie gets off the airplane and he sees a newspaper. It's like a really cool, like instead of the title card in this episode, I'd like the art of this newspaper if this was like a real prop. Mm-hmm. The photo of Batman in there is really awesome looking. Mm-hmm. And he just immediately, again, it's like, as a kid, Charlie has the same thoughts you have at home. Mm-hmm. He's like, if only I could contact Batman. Yeah. <laughs> if only there's a way to call him. Right. And um, and so then he's like, he's heading out the door and he sees two policemen and he kind of starts to feel relieved because he's like, maybe I could just go to the police right away. Right. And they could help me. But no, like Harley, in disguise as a chauffeur without her makeup on, uh-huh. uh, interrupts Charlie and picks him up. Car's this way, Charlie. Let's go. And then, um, so then Charlie is driven to Joker's hideout and Joker is so happy to see him, treats him like an old, or greets him like an old friend. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. (laughs) How have you been, old bean? And, um. Joker explains to him, he's like, I'm, I'm phoning in that favor. Like, all you have to do is, uh, you're going to come to this place with us. When Harley knocks on the door three times, you just have to open the door. That's all you have to do. And he's like, really? That's it? And he's like, yeah, she's going to wheel in this big cake. She can't open the door at the same time. Makes perfect sense. And And he's like, oh, okay. For a second, Charlie thinks that he's in the clear because he's like, oh, Joker's crazy. This is, you know, like, he just... He's just a nutcase. He was trying to terrorize me. Maybe this is actually it. Yeah. And then... um, it turns out no. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it turns out no. But Joker promises that he's going to fly him home again as soon as the this job oh, yeah, is over. Yeah. Right. Um, cut to, so now we're having this gala. I think it's at a museum or it's adjacent to a museum. I was a little unsure in the geography here, but mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Wayne is at the gala honoring Commissioner Gordon. They Congratulates him. Right, they exchange some pleasantries. Oh, I'm sorry I won't be able to stay for dinner. It does seem kind of dumb that in the show, Gordon never picks up on the fact that Bruce Wayne is Batman. I don't know if Gordon and Bruce Wayne cross paths like all that often. They do, I think, a lot in the show. I think there's, But it's not scenes. like they hang out and like spend extended periods of time together. I mean, I'm remembering episodes where there's crimes done at like Wayne Enterprises and Bruce is often speaking to Commissioner Gordon. Mm. Is there anything I can do, Commissioner, to help your investigation? Let me know. Yeah. That's all right, Mr. Wayne. We got it all taken care of from here. Right. Um, so, I mean, Gordon, I'm going to say I don't dislike Commissioner Gordon in the show, but he's not my favorite side character. Oh, really? I think he's just kind of like the most, they didn't like, I feel like they didn't do much to make him interesting. I, I feel like he's the most standard, like, Batman template character. Yeah, he's very, like, straight-laced. But I like that him and Batman have a good working relationship. Yeah. You know, bordering, bordering on, like, friendship almost. Even. Yeah, definitely. No, I you mean, know, and there's many I, episodes that go into that deep. Like, Gordon has scary episodes where his life is in danger. And Batman has to save him right, and stuff. stuff with Batgirl, his daughter, Barbara. Right. And, so, I mean, they definitely, like, have a lot of deeper episodes with commissioner but i think in general like from episode to episode because gordon's in a lot of episodes yeah it's kind of like not that interesting to me as uh, one of the characters of the show mm. okay well um we're at this congratulations ceremony for him anyway and charlie's in there like looking around the room waiting for his job to happen and he's sees this like it's called like the hall of inventions or something yeah and he decides to like take a look around in there because he's still trying to find a way to signal Batman. He like sees the irony that there's all these cops and he can't like do anything. And he finds this like huge bat shaped 
airplane paraglider or something yeah Yeah. airplane some kind of aircraft and he figures out how to move it so that it's like hovering in front of the window of this huge building and as chance would have it right then alfred is driving bruce wayne home from the gala and he's like oh you're not staying around bruce is like no uh joker's on the loose i better go home and like be batman basically (laughs) and alfred says like oh you might be needed inside the building actually and He's seen the right, the and I like it. I mean, like Bruce just has a little look on his face. He knows, like I, I'm going back. Very smart, Charlie. Um, here, uh, back at the gala, we see Bullock. He's sort of making a he's making a pig of himself, eating all his food. He has a fresh haircut, though. Are we introduced to that? Montoya here? Is this the first time we're seeing her? She Maybe. might have been a background character in one of the episodes. Yeah, but I mean, she, I think she's uh, named named for the first time anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, she gets a nice little moment in this episode. Um, but before that, uh, Harley comes in in disguise number two. Dressed as a cop. Right. She's dressed as uh, a cop in like, you know, she's got a short skirt on, which attracts the attention of Bullock again. Um, she's wheeling in that large cake. And he does a very gross, sexist kind of hitting on her routine. He like sticks out his foot, like to play footsie with her or something almost. Yeah. But like, she's walking. So it's weird. I don't know. (laughs) She takes out her police (laughs) baton and whacks his leg as hard as she can. Yeah. And this makes Montoya laugh, which was funny. Yeah. Funny to, to see, because Montoya was being grossed out by Bullock too. She wanted to see this guy get put in his place. Right. So, um, the three knocks happened, till, and Charlie was the one that let her in, of course. He now realizes that his hand is glued to the door handle, and he can't extricate himself. This was the kind of thing, I feel like you see this in cartoons all the time of this era. And as a kid, I would be like, tee-hee-hee, I'm going to set a trap for somebody. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I totally did like put like glue or like a piece of scotch tape the wrong way up or something on a door handle, being like, I'm playing a practical joke. <laughs> Oh my god! In real life, it just does not pan out the way it does yeah, well, in cartoons. You're not using some kind of Joker industrial strength chemical glue, right? Using Elmer's glue, which is nothing. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so uh, Harley starts reciting this poem to Commissioner Gordon, like a congratulations poem, but it ends. <laughs> poorly (laughs) it's something about like at the end the you know the jokes on you or something and they've somehow like booby trapped all these little centerpiece ornaments that are all over the tables to release a gas like a freezing gas or like a paralysis gas Yeah, it looks very painful to be stuck in paralysis from this gas and joker is the one who pops out of the cake surprise uh harley has a gas mask she gives them to charlie too so they're not frozen but Joker has a bomb in his hand. It's like a pin that he's going to pin onto Commissioner Gordon's jacket. It looks like a bomb from Looney Tunes. Dynamite uh, sticks. Right, dynamite sticks with Joker's face. Like a sort of like a, it's like Joker's face is on it, but it's got digitized eyeballs that do the countdown. It's pretty funny looking. 60 seconds he's got. Right. Charlie just looks at him. He's like, you promised to send me home. I never said alive. Mm-hmm. So Joker, you cannot be trusted. Um, the bomb is ticking down. Luckily, Batman's here. Uh, you know, I appreciate that Batman just opened the doors of the skylight. Right. He didn't have to like crash violently in with broken glass everywhere. Yeah, good I point. was like, that's a classy move, Batman. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, Batman arrives, he gets the bomb off of Commissioner Gordon. Charlie's the one that points it out to him. Right. He, uh, wraps it around his grappling hook and shoots it up out of the skylight. That's pretty cool. Um, the explosion happens. Again, the show has great explosions. Joker's escaping with Rocco and Henshaw, who are robbing the museum. They have a bunch of golden artifacts tucked under their arms. He says, that came from outside. So he knows he's been foiled. To the van. Yeah. Um, then they see that the van was the thing that blew up. Right. Charlie fills Batman in on his history with the Joker, saying how he's been sort of is blackmailed the right word here. Uh, I don't know about blackmailed, but sort of terrorized, coerced, yeah, into helping him. And I mean, yeah, blackmailed because Joker said he was going to hurt his family if he didn't. Right. Um, Charlie, I mean, Batman then takes out the two henchmen pretty easily. He just he sort of uh, ropes one up and then kicks another guy, and then he corners Harvey, 
I mean, not Har- Harvey, Harley. <laughs> and Harley pulls a dagger on him, but she just meekly gives up and Batman easily handcuffs her to a railing. Mm-hmm. So Harley is never really much of a challenge for Batman in the show, I think. It's kind of, she's like, She's also, like, unhinged in the same way as Joker, where, like, her moods really turn on a dime, and her unpredictability is one of the things that makes her, like, puts you on edge about her. Yeah, know? like, in the movie, in the recent movies with Margot Robbie, they make Harley into this really dangerous killer that, like, wields weapons and, like, does this incredible acrobatics. Yeah. I feel like in the cartoon, we'll have to see, like, I think she can do some acrobatic stuff. She can flip around a little. Yeah. But she's never really seen as that dangerous with weapons. She's more of someone, like planting joker's bombs and kind of just helping she's like up to mischief i don't know it's funny because it's like she is really just doing his bidding yeah but it's like also she's really having fun like she's really doing whatever she wants (laughs) like at any given time she's like a demented stagehand or something (laughs) she's like in some kind of traveling clown troupe you know that's the impression you get of her I mean, which makes sense because her character is Harley Quinn. Like she's dressed like a Renaissance fair, like a clown. Yeah. Um, so Joker escapes into this Mayan pyramid replica and he says it's like, oh, it's so great that they made like a fully working replica complete with all the poison darts and fire right. spikes in the floor under hidden, you know, uh, floorway trap doors. Right. I mean, like, is that how Mayan pyramids really were? I don't think so. And I, it's like, I don't, <laughs> why would the museum make the, the exhibit deadly like this? Yeah. It, I mean, in my mind, it's like the Joker had to have set up these traps, but you don't know. And it's like, at the same time, you don't care. It's like the cartooniness of it is great. Just, it's a great set piece for Batman to tangle with Joker. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. So the logic of it doesn't matter. Mm. Um, and, you know, like Batman, like seemingly falls into this like bed of spikes uh, he's fine, but Joker gets away and uh, he's in a back alley and Charlie confronts him. And this is a great moment of the episode that kind of, t- I didn't remember the scene. It took me by surprise here. Mm-hmm. So Charlie, you know, he grabs Joker by the arm and uh, he like punches him in the stomach. Yeah, pretty hard. And he takes out this uh, another bomb and he's like, oh, like this came out of that van before it exploded. Good thing I saved it. Um and he basically says, like, I'm going to take you down with me. Like, yeah. I need my family to be safe. You've caused me to snap. If I'm going to die, too, that's fine, as long as I know you're going down. Right. And Joker starts to get terrified. I mean, this is a great scene, too, because they're teaching kids about standing up to bullies. Obviously, this is an extreme set of circumstances. I don't know if that's what they're saying. I think, okay. it's, I think it is part <laughs> of the lesson here. I was thinking about this. This is part of the lesson of, like, Charlie, it's not enough for the Joker just to get arrested and Charlie to be safe. He kind of has to like, you see like how terrible his life has been living in fear of this man. You know, he had to like change his whole life around, mm-hmm. do all this stuff. And Charlie has to kind of like reclaim, uh, his, his, like his courage. I don't think they're showing Charlie as an example of what you're supposed to do. I think they're trying to say the opposite. Actually. I actually re- don't be like Charlie. Look how insane he went. Well, no, but he's doing it in cahoots with Batman. It's all like a trick in the end. Batman was the one who gave him the, the, the dud bomb. Right. But right now you don't know that. Though. I know, but I'm saying, I just, re- all right, let me put it this way. Uh-huh. As a kid, I, re- that's how I took this episode. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I remember like saying, Oh, like, I get it. He has to stand up to the Joker and show he's not af- afraid of being afraid bullied. Oh, I took it. I that's not how I read it at all. I took it as like, don't get obsessed with like vengeance or something because it makes you go insane. <laughs> yeah, but it was all. But he's not really insane. I know. But yeah, I know. All right. Well, anyway, <laughs> you can interpret it in lots of different ways. It's a really good episode. <laughs> Um, so he's threatening the Joker. The Joker is like shivering, like shaking, begging for his and life. And here you get great characterization on the Joker via Charlie. He's like, your life's going to end. It's not going to be through some big scheme. It's not going to be a great epic final fight with the Dark Knight. You're going to be killed by a nothing like me. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's just like everything that Joker's greatest fear of just being uh, finished in an unglamorous in way. In obscurity. Right. Yeah. And uh, it's fun. I mean, this is a great bit of acting by Mark Hamill. Where he's sort of begging for his life. He's like, Charlie, don't be crazy. Um, he says, what will Batman think? Or something <laughs> it's like, like calling for Batman yeah. to come save him. <laughs> and then Batman appears. 
and he like shows up right behind them. Joker's like, "How long have you been standing there?" And Batman's like, "Long enough," or something like that. Um, Joker's still kind of like in survival mode, I guess. So he like hands over all the information that he had about Charlie. It's like this big book. There's like coins and stuff falling out of it. He's like Bugs Bunny with his pockets. Just yeah, like he's like, "Here, take this. Take it all." You know. And then the bomb turns out to be just like a gag bomb, like a, a ribbon comes out of it or something. Right. And Batman laughs and uh, Joker is annoyed and he's arrested. Right. Just taken into custody. And uh, Batman says, go home, Mr. Collins. And, and then Charlie yeah. shuffles off and he says, <laughs> back to Ohio. Maybe my wife will even make meatloaf. Like this time he's looking forward to it. Yeah. And the episode ends. And that's that. Uh, I mean, it was a great episode. Yep, that was a good time. It, like, really a fantastic introduction to the Joker. He's big, he's scary. There's good twists and turns. Uh, it's just a very satisfying story, A to Z. It's another one of those ones where it's like you come into this story and the characters are fully formed. Joker, Harley yeah. Quinn, like, it, it, it makes you wonder, like, what the heck happened to these people, you know? And that is a better bait than showing us right away. Here's what happened to these people. Yeah. Take uh, note, movie makers. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's like thus far, what the show is doing is it's not the origin of Batman. It's not the origin of Joker. It's, it's the introduction to a world, like a world that exists. That's just like in full movement that has like all its gears, ticking properly. Yeah. And that is such a much more compelling a doorway in mm. and just doing a straight up origin, whatever it might be. Spider-Man, the animated series, followed this path to X-Men as well. Mm -hmm. It's like the world's already happening and you're just kind of catching up. And that's a lot of fun. I think, it, I think ultimately it is a little more satisfying. I mean, I think an origin story can work if only it's the true origin <laughs> in the sense, like, you're doing a big, ambitious project, and you're telling the story from the very beginning, and you know you're going to have 20 movies or episodes to come. Mm. Like, But a lot of times, in these movies, you'll get the origin in one movie, and then there's two sequels, and the story ends. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, it's it'd be more fun if it was just in the middle. Yeah. The whole thing, the three movies, instead of it. And I guess like maybe that's what the new Batman movie is kind of kind of did. It it's like Batman Year Two, so you don't see his origin. It's just like we this is the world of Batman, mm -hmm. but it is still like close enough to the beginning that it, it also felt like another origin Batman movie, but not quite. I think we should give it kudos for like doing something a little different that time. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll talk more in depth about that movie one day. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this is just like masterclass storytelling. Like yep. this is like if you had an assignment of like reinvent this character from the 1940s for the modern era, but like keep it in the style, like an updated artistic style. It's just like a home run on every level. It's like a true, like uh, it's like an award-winning piece of art, and it literally was. Mm -hmm. And that's what uh, the creators of the show managed to pull off. So a uh, great episode. I think next week is. Poison Ivy. That's right. Which will be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think I remember really enjoying the the first several Poison Ivy storylines. They're really good. Yeah, I agree. I think Poison Ivy gets a little more like cartoonish as it goes along, but when she's introduced, it's very interesting uh, character, mm -hmm. and we'll have a lot to say about that. Looking forward to it. Sonia, any final words before we depart yet again? Good night. Good night. Good night.